August 12th, another Monday Night Raw in the books, and it's time for your post-Raw recap here on Wrestling Inc. I'm your host, Justin Labar, being joined, as always, by the man who runs the whole show, Mr. Raj Geary, and the blueprint, Matt Morgan. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? I'm good, man. It's uh, it's It's been a long few days already, but uh, I, I thought uh, tonight's Raw was fun. Where the hell's Glenn? I'll be He's quiet. Yeah. <laughs> He's meeting up with you later this week. <laughs> <laughs> Ask the man with a Cowboys hat on. Look at this. All right, guys. Dak Prescott, $40 million. With everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Let's get into Raw tonight. Uh, still in Toronto as they have the residency this week. We kick it off with the new Universal Champion, the B-Slayer, Seth Rollins. It comes out, recaps the match with Brock Lesnar, gives credit to the fans about them supporting him in what was a, a fight to the death with Brock. And then he's interrupted by AJ Styles and the OC, ultimately uh, making a, a challenge for the night against Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins accepts, talks about how he used to respect AJ Styles, but not anymore. Our main event match is made right off the bat. Uh, not first time ever in WWE, but certainly not a match that uh, too many would ever complain about seeing, uh, at least bell to bell wise and AJ Styles versus Seth Rollins. Matt, were you excited by this? The match, yeah, just like the fans are chanting, yes. And it's one of those scenarios where uh, the characters actually a little bit get thrown up the window because, you know what, Roger, we keep talking about how much we love characters and things of that nature. Well, tonight it should have been, they should have cheered Seth along when he said he has no, he's lost respect for AJ. Instead, they were chanting yes, 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 because they want to see that match so much. So sometimes matches and the the potential like match itself right and the work rate and all that other crap sometimes these fans nowadays would rather see that is what i got out of that right mm-hmm. you know they seth was his ultimate baby face his underdog story he was talking about and they kind of just like f that aj's out here now cool um we want to see this match right no, absolutely. And that's where sometimes I feel like I have a disconnect as far as showing wrestling to my friends today because the This Is Awesome chant, back in my day, you don't want that. You want to be like cheering for the baby face and booing the heel. You're not uh, watching the match as a performance. You're watching mm-hmm. it as you want the one guy to win. Yes. And, yeah, they weren't booing AJ here. It wasn't like a grudge match that they were going to see. It was a, a match with moves and, you know, yes. that, two two great in-ring workers. Um, that being said, I was excited, but I am a, yeah, am a hardcore fan. But uh, yeah, I, I, I would say, I mean, we'll, we'll get to it. But as far as their the matches that they have, I thought this was the the weakest of the ones that they've had. But yeah. the, the ending kind of you know uh, left a lot to be desired. And like what Matt's talking about, you can definitely get away with it in a in a in a week like this in a crowd in a crowd that you know that you've convinced to uh, sell out that arena for four straight nights with NXT. SummerSlam and then Raw and SmackDown, you know you're going to have a, a wrestling, a work rate thirsty crowd more than likely, at least the majority of them. So yeah, you can kind of throw characters aside and just sell it on the fact that these two guys, what they do belt to bell. So uh, we move on. They give some... Uh, I, I, one more thing about this. I, I feel like every time Seth cuts a promo, like he'll get me, like he got me back last night with his match with Brock. I thought it was great. And then when he's cutting a promo, I'm like, you know, kind of losing it again. Uh, he was annoying again. Yes, exactly. I feel he like was. he's just kind of a pandering, annoying baby face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. What do you think, Justin? I mean, I, I always prefer him as a heel, Seth Rollins. Absolutely, I always. But, but even though he works a very baby face conducive style, yeah. I, he's more enjoyable as a heel to all the things you're saying on the mic. But um, him and AJ have the same exact problem. Yeah. I they just yeah. whiny, but they're both babyface in how they wrestle. Yeah, trying yeah. to heal. You know what I mean? I don't know. And then you see AJ since he's turned heel, he just seems a lot more comfortable, uh, just a lot more of a character than he uh, than he was as a babyface. Mm-hmm. Well, one guy who plays a really good heel is Sami Zayn. We get a backstage <laughs> segment with the uh, Street Profits, and uh, Sami Zayn comes in, continues more and more of the you know this is what's wrong with. Uh, the company, this is what's wrong with the fans. You guys have been here for a minute. You're happy now, but just wait until you're here longer. Uh, and then the Street Profits kind of comically goat him into uh, uh, talking crap on Samoa Joe while Samoa Joe's standing behind him. Uh, this set, you know, this sets up uh, for Samoa Joe and Sami Zayn. Zayn, of course, referencing how Joe was showing a little bit of compassion for Roman Reigns the week before when Roman almost got hit by that car. So sets up for Sami Zayn uh, versus Samoa Joe. We get that after the commercial. And uh, 
not much to say here. This is uh, pretty, pretty, pretty quick and decisive for uh, Samoa Joe getting a victory. Who then cuts a, a heel promo, Raj? Is that what <laughs> yeah, that's what it seemed like. It seemed like this seemed like the start of a babyface turn, and then right after the match, he cut a heel promo, uh, which I liked. Uh, I, I hate when they. Uh, do a complete 180 the the next week when they turn heel or you know babyface when they do a turn then all of a sudden they're a completely different person. I like that Joe is kind of still himself. I, I don't know if you watched uh, uh, wrestling in the 80s, but when Roddy Piper turned heel on Hogan, I mean turned babyface, it took a long time before he was really acting like a babyface. He kind of kept that heel persona. He kind of kept his character how it was. Uh, he teamed with Hogan in Madison Square Garden, just left him laying, you know, walked out on him. So um, I, I've always liked that. I feel like it's more realistic uh, as, as far as uh, character goes. Yeah. Uh, I'll say this too. Uh, well, Sammy Zane, he brought up some stuff, Matt, that I was like, did they take this from our podcast? Where he's talking about like how Seth has lost his edge as a baby face and how Becky was, uh, Becky was much better earlier this year, uh, at, you know, with her character and then yeah. they had watered her down. It just seemed like uh, and, stuff. And the there. street profits themselves. Yeah, I, I was. I thought the street profits tonight were better than than usual. I thought they were, but once good. again, they were util, they, They're uh, the general manager of Raw again. They're celebrity general manager of Raw tonight. If you really watch, like what they were responsible for tonight, when you think about it, yeah, you know, they narrated the show once again, and they made a match essentially. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Dawkins being uh, hung over from SummerSlam weekend, I thought was kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's funny spots in it for sure. Yeah. Well, and somewhere in here in the teases and commercials between these segments, right about this point, uh, they announced next Monday it is the return of the King of the Ring, and they didn't give us they they did tell us later on that Drew McIntyre and Cedric Alexander would both be in it, and I believe Renee Young, uh, I think she mentioned eight superstars from Raw, eight from SmackDown. So that you know we can talk more about that. That kind of leads me to believe that there this might this is gonna not just be a one night thing. This might go over the course of at least at least next week's Raw and SmackDown uh, as they bring back uh, the King of the Ring again. So I don't know. So I don't know if that excites you guys. It seems I like- thought they made this specifically for Drew McIntyre. I'll be honest. I have no proof of that. I didn't talk to anybody. It just feels like if I was on the creative team and we had King of the Ring, and I, I, I know I'd ask that question. I'd go, why are we not using King of the Ring right now? We've got a guy right now that doesn't have a title that needs a title. Um, he's super over. We kind of screwed him up with Shane McMahon. What a great way to get him out and Drew McIntyre. We're doing King of the Ring. Yeah. I you mean, know what I mean? Yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking. I was, I mean, Drew immediately popped in my head. Ricochet kind of did too, just because he's lost so much to AJ. Shane Ricochet, the, it, it works. That but, does work. Drew but, needs. Right, yeah. And to your point, Matt, King of the Ring has traditionally been a heel thing. Like yeah. if you're going to wear the, the robe and the crown, yes. that's kind of a heel move. Uh, Barrett was great at it. He was the last one. Yes. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say they've been, they've been big about having European guys win the King of the Ring. I mean, look at you know uh, Barrett, uh, Regal. I think didn't Sheamus win it at some point? Um, so so Drew kind of fits in that big body uh, guy that doesn't have a, like, as Matt said doesn't have a title but needs some kind of extra prestige attached to him. If if it is Drew, I hope they don't go the route of him wearing the cape and everything though. I feel like he looks too, you know like Stone Cold Brock. They never wore the cape and had the scepter. Uh, I think it just doesn't fit true. No. Or it could be Baron Corbin. You know, he could pop up and become king. That would be <laughs> very par for the course. <laughs> no. But, yeah. <laughs> he's been he's been MIA since the last paper. I mean, he's been working house shows. But, Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so we move on. Next match, The Miz versus Dolph Ziggler. Of course, is coming off of Dolph Ziggler getting three dominant spears from Goldberg at SummerSlam. Uh, this match here... Uh, you know, uh, back and forth. Miz ultimately ends up winning, making Ziggler tap with the figure four, and then Ziggler pour, pulls more of the same that he did against Goldberg, where he grabs the mic. He's agonizing in pain. Says it says it's just a flesh wound for you, Monty Python fans. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and 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 just continues to talk trash as he's down on his luck. Uh, Matt, do, are you reminded me of the Monty Python stuff? Yeah, well, it, the the quote was from Monty Python, but it also reminded me of a uh, few Austin Powers fans. Will Ferrell played a, an assassin <laughs> named Mustafa who kept oh, yeah. <laughs> who kept getting shot and thrown over cliffs, and he it's was very and, painful. It's very painful. Yeah, I, I appear to be badly burnt. If somebody could, that's all I could think about was that. But, um, 
<laughs> my left yeah. leg seems to be broken. I'm going to try the other one. Oh, damn, that one's broken too. Um, Matt, are you entertained by this with Dolph Ziggler? I don't know. I, I mean, that's we're making we're laughing with. Uh, we added more spice to it though, but um, it's no, okay, just no. Uh, I I mean, I found his post match stuff entertaining, but um, Dolph is one of those guys. Uh, when I look at talent uh, in WWE, he's just been wasted. I mean, they could push him for the next six months and and just give him this long, and it doesn't matter. He's someone that needs a jump to like a New Japan or an AEW or something yes. like that. That that complete change of environment and uh, kind of you know, like Cody Rhodes. Yeah, exactly. Like and this uh, rebirth. When, with WCW, we had that back in the day where when mm-hmm. talent got stale, they could just jump over. I mean, people forget Scott Hall was. He was a cool character as Razor Ramon, but he was getting pretty stale. And, you know, goes to WCW and they revitalize the business. So It makes me wonder with Dolph. Obviously, Dolph, he's, he's made millions. I mean, obviously, he's made money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's in good shape and he's, been able, he's able to kind of go off and do some other things in the political and comedy world. Like, I, I wonder, is it just a sense of, like, he's a WWE guy and he's just comfortable with the living? Or, like, I mean, does, mm-hmm. like, would he want a creative, fresh start? Obviously, he wouldn't be Dolph Ziggler the name. Would he want to go to an AEW? You would think. You would. You would know. think so. Um, I always. I always think so, and then I always proven wrong when he resigns. Right. right. So I, I don't know. But no. in the past, when he resigned, it you know there was no real place to go. Well, true. And the other thing that's always been kind of yeah, yeah. but he's that rich where he could go play with himself for the next year, two years, go away and come back. That's the most important part to get him off of TV and then bring him back a couple years later. Like he needs the time away from TV, WWE TV altogether. Well, and one of the interesting things, just to touch on, like the real life aspect of this. I mean, this is a business. You know, I know some fans are a little shocked that Gallows and Anderson decided to stay. That they don't go to AEW, go to New Japan. They signed apparently new, very nice contracts with WWE. And I and I, but I I often say to those fans, look, both those guys have kids. Mm -hmm. Those kids are in schools here in America. They don't want to be on the other side of the world, away from them or taking them around. You know what? You know, there's a family aspect to it, Matt. You know, you have a family. You know that too. But with Dolph, I think I mean he's not married. I don't think he has any kids that, that we like. So like it, that always comes to my mind is that he this is a guy with a different situation. So same answer. Nobody knows. Yeah, I don't know. But anyways, nonetheless, yeah. the Dolph Ziggler. Uh, I'm, I'm entertained by it. I don't know what the point is, but I'm entertained by it nonetheless. So what yeah. doing? He did it great. Like him, him doing that stuff at the end was great. But yeah. Elias uh, back for another concert. This is coming off of him being uh, speared by another, uh, being attacked by another legend in uh, Edge the night before. Uh, Elias notes he's going to get interrupted. He does get interrupted by Ricochet. Uh, that works into a match. Ricochet uh, gets the win here. Pretty straight cut. Elias not getting too many uh, <laughs> victories. <laughs> he's he's uh, he does get a, he does get a he does get a title win here in a little bit. We'll talk about but uh, Ricochet uh, getting back on the winning uh, ways after losing to AJ Styles the night before. Yeah, they're, they're they're kind of turning him into Santino, where he's just he's entertaining, but he never he never wins. And man, Elias, I mean, he's just got you know he's he's a big dude and he's got the look that they like. I almost feel like he just drop the music gimmick and try to be in a tag team or something to kind of reinvent yourself a little bit because this you know the path he's on right now is it's uh, I mean look he's headed into twenty four seven territory, which is no, which it is what it is. You know, it's funny you say that about the music gimmick Raj, though. Because you look, look, Elias has had a, a hell of an a, a evolution. I mean, he started as he was the drifter, and then it, and then it, and then it's like it's evolved into this, you know, rock star kind of thing. And yeah, that it's but they just seemed like they they just not they don't follow through anything. I don't know. It's weird with him. No, yeah, it was inconsistent with him. Yeah, yeah, inconsistent. <laughs> And and he's also just been on cruise control. Like they've been doing the same thing with him. I mean, him getting beat up by legends that you know they did that two WrestleManias ago. Um, and that's when him being the music guy can hurt him at times because they can throw him into any sketch comedy segment now. Yeah. You know, when they need a curveball to throw at the show, right? To get a different feel and a different aesthetic to it, they can throw him out there and have him get killed or mauled or laughed at or crapped on him or somebody piss on him or somebody lights him on fire or somebody throws him in front of a car that get, you know, runs him over, whatever have you. It's all the same end game, right? It's because he's singing. If he wasn't singing, I also would be fearful he wouldn't be on TV as much. Mm-hmm. Either. Right. So if I'm, I don't know. 
You know? And that's and that's when you do it. Would you ra- would you rather be Elias, who's who can say he's yeah. had? I'd rather, be on, yeah, I'd rather be on TV and go through what he's going through, right? And, and trust in myself to eventually take one of these segments and go. Oops, I didn't mean to say that. I hope that was okay. You know what? Yeah, you weren't supposed to say it, but that was a freaking home run. Good job, kid. He needs to do that. Exactly. And this is a guy who's had segments with Edge, The Undertaker, John Cena. You know, I mean, and I'm leaving out so many others, but he's, I mean, so yeah, it's, it's do you want to be that or do you want to be Robert Roode? Yeah, right. You know what I mean? So and it's 22 with that, is so, so is Heath Slater. You know what I mean? He can say similar things. He, he's not a featured star, but he's done the job to every single one of those people. Sergeant Slaughter, throw him in there too. Uh, Sid, everyone else, right? All these classical superstars. So he's got to something's got to change here for him and quick because he is still considered somewhat like of a young star, right? At least in my book, he kind of is. Yeah. And um, he's still he's still in his twenties. So. There's nothing about him that's not, in my opinion, a main event talent one day down the road. Yeah, he's got the. He's got the look. He's got the promo skills. He can Definitely. go on the mic. I mean, those are those are some of the most important things. I mean, mm-hmm. he might not be the best in-ring worker or anything like that, but that's what I was saying. If you put him in a tag team for a little bit um, with someone and just get him out there working a little more, I think he'll get better. Well, I'll talk about young stars. Uh, we get a two out of three falls match here. Rey Mysterio versus Andrade. Uh, you know, I... I cringed at the two out of three. We saw we've seen a lot of it this summer as they've tried to do different tricks to avoid uh, commercials during matches. But this I wasn't as cringeworthy because I'm like, all right, this is just going to be phenomenal. Watch these two. We've seen it before and it's always uh, always delivered. And this one, a surprise for two out of three falls match uh, is a clean sweep. Both the falls going uh, to Andrade, which then uh, goes to Rey Mysterio backstage being interviewed, and he kind of does this, um, you know, questioning where he's at in his career, and he's got a family, and he's he's never lost two falls like this. So it seemed to be foreshadowing Matt uh, something with Ray, you know, at a, at, a, at a fork in the road, and, and and talking about his family and where he's at, and on the tail end of his career. Yeah, I mean, you hit it on the head. Yeah, that's exactly what we uh, what we saw. Um, I like the part that it was a clean sweep. Um, it plays to the storyline. It also shows that not every two out of three fall matches, matches is going to go three matches three matches long. Um, the right guy won. They need to be getting the younger guy over. That's a great way to do it. Yeah, it feels like they're they, they're kind of rebooting the storyline they had earlier this year where Andrade was beating Ray a bunch, and then they just kind of dropped it. And so it's kind of like they, they're going back to it. But, um, you know, I think it's great. You know, Ray, uh, we had an interview with him on Wrestling Inc. A, a few weeks ago where he talked about Andrade and how he really wants to help uh, build his career. And 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 stuff like this, with them trading victories, uh, does not help his career as much as Andrade just dominating him and, and Ray, you know, uh, trying to figure out what he can do to beat this kid. So I'm digging it. And, uh, it you know, it kind of leaves you wondering where they're going. And uh, so I, I like it. Yeah, let's see if they get some consistency. I, you know, Andrade's a guy; he's gotten some wins, but it's never been really. Sh- they don't string it together. We don't see him every week, guaranteed on TV. So, um, right. The yeah. problem is when he gets a couple wins, then all of a sudden he's losing to random guys. Uh, you know, for the next month. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now it's time for the infomercial for Stone Cold Steve Austin, as we have uh, Michael Cole doing the interview with Austin Austin via Skype, not via satellite. Nice to see that they're hanging in 2019 here. Uh, basically, they get Austin to talk and put over Seth Rollins' victory on Brock Lesnar, uh, and then they go right into just obviously promoting uh, straight up Steve Austin on the USA Network after Raw tonight. Uh, I mean, it's always good to see. I mean, he's probably my all-time favorite. It's always good to see Austin on TV, but obviously, this nothing more than an infomercial, really, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, but it also never hurts to have a Stone Cold Steve Austin putting over your champion, sure. especially Seth Rollins, who desperately needs it. Um, and it was great, his vote of confidence in Seth and verbatim what he was saying about Seth. Um, he got Seth over, I thought, tonight. I really do. Yeah, I mean, he really didn't plug his show at all. He said, you know, they, uh, they mentioned it at the end of the promo and Austin just said, oh, hell yeah. And I think that's one of the cases where Austin reading the temperature in the room, I'm sure he knows that if he plugged the show hard, if he talked forever about the show, I don't think the crowd would ever boo him, but they'd probably go quiet. You remember uh, Shawn Michaels when he was plugging his movie on Raw a couple of years ago, The Resurrection of Gavin Stone, and everyone was just booing him after a while because he just kept you well, know, harping on Steve, it. Steve's also one of the boys, though. I, I didn't read it that way. I read it. Steve is legit seeing a guy at the top struggling a little bit. 
and, and really going overboard. That was overboard um, in a good way um, of making sure that he gave this kid his rub and did it the right way for others to look at and say, this is how you're supposed to be doing this stuff. And it also shows us that it is the WWE management that is always, always, always making sure there's there's super duper stars that come back and, that are retired and things like that. When they come back, it's them that are not getting the younger guys to work against them and put the younger guys over. It ain't the older guys trying to hold on to their spots. Now, between Scott Hall and what I saw, like Steve talking tonight, Steve was legit talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really so. I agree 100%. I, 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 what I was talking about was after they, uh, he talked yeah. about Rollins and then they transitioned to the show. And Austin was <laughs> not talking about a show. He just kind of dropped, you know, it was like, yeah. And uh, so he wasn't doing the hard sell for his show. And, you know, and he put Rollins over strong. So, I mean, I really liked that segment. I liked, uh, I liked how they didn't go overboard with promoting the show because that, that can hurt sometimes, especially with a character like Austin. Oh, it can absolutely hurt. I mean, it, again, it was random. It was obvious why they're doing it tonight because of the promotion. But uh, but yeah, I mean, to, to the to to what matter as I said, it never hurts when you see Austin on TV. So that's you know, and not, and not to mention Austin, you believe it when he's talking. He doesn't sound like he's just uh, you know reading a script or uh, doing what they told him to say. All right, so we get Drew McIntyre versus Cedric Alexander. That's our next match. And again, they note that both of these guys will be in the King of the Ring. Uh, we haven't seen any brackets, so we don't know. Who else is all in it? But uh, uh, this, I mean, maybe the match of the night, guys. Here, I mean, uh, Drew versus Cedric. This is really, I mean, uh, Drew versus Cedric. Yeah. No, AJ versus. Uh, you go AJ versus Seth. Okay. Really? I thought that this. Match I, was I, awesome. I went. I go with this match. I don't know. And well, we're saying matches, right? Yeah. With, what's your name? Sasha. Right. Yeah. Sasha was definitely the the segment of the night. But uh, I mean, these guys. I, I thought Drew was just going to go in there and kill Cedric, you know. Right. And right. Um, yeah, that's true. It ended up being super competitive, uh, and then I didn't want it to be super competitive, though. I think that's why I'm not giving it credit. It probably deserves because I don't see that's how you should be booking Drew. Yeah, I, and I could see that as well. And 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 I made mention of that on Twitter that uh, Drew should be at the top of the card, but. That being said, I mean, he had his working shoes on tonight. He shows he can hang with, a, you know, basically a guy who was on 205 Live six months ago. And uh, that Claymore kick at the end, I thought this was... Uh, <laughs> and, a great, was and, a, and a great sell by Cedric. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was a really fun match. It, uh, to Matt's point, I don't know if that's the best way to use Drew. Um, like, maybe he should be squashing these guys. But it, still, the crowd loved it. They were into it. And uh, it was hot. Drew's one of those guys to me, you know, he's just like Randy Orton. He's one of those guys who, I mean, minus he doesn't have the pedigree that Orton has, but, he, you know, he's, you know, and I know JBL said that, I think, you know, he's, he's like that guy, if you can create a wrestler, and that's what, this is like what you would create the image of and, and, and the smooth, the smoothness in the ring. I, you know, whether it's King of the Ring or whatever, I'd love to see them start using Drew more in the position of attracting new eyes of like, this looks like a badass who does badass things. I mean, he was right. Uh, so great showing by both guys. Drew gets the win uh, again, going into King of the Ring next week. Where uh, at least on this panel, we view him as a heavy favorite. I uh, got some backstage stuff. Uh, the OC, of course, building for the ma- match tonight. Uh, we see Paul Heyman backstage, uh, so teasing that he's there. Uh, we get a random, uh, a very random Robert Roode versus No Way Jose match. And as they're doing this brief match, that Roode gets the win. They're also teasing and split screen that we're going to go to Heyman's uh, interview. Um, Robert Roode versus No Way Jose. Thoughts? You got to win. Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every time I see Roode get a win, I'm hoping this is the start of something for him. And uh, within a week or two, it's forgotten about. It. I hope this is the start of something for him. <laughs> I mean, do they give it to him just because they're in Canton and they're in Toronto? So just I, I, it's a very good sign of respect if that's the case. They, they usually reserve that for their higher, you know, yeah. talent. Not just every single town that's from that place. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, we'll, I, s- we'll see if they follow up with it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it was a quick win. Uh, Rude, he's, he got rid of the, the porn mustache. He's back to the beard. But, uh, yeah, I'd like to see more from him. But he's still Robert, not Bobby. He's still Robert, uh, yeah. Still Robert. <laughs> uh, we go to Charlie Caruso backstage with Paul Heyman. And uh, this one, uh, short and sweet, not too much in it. Basically just Heyman uh, reiterating what was already released on social media earlier, earlier today, which is Brock Lesnar 
will not get a rematch against Seth Rollins. So they're just kind of taking that booking avenue off the table to us that, you know, that's that's not going to happen. Um, you know, Heyman just flustered. You know, how do I explain it to my client? And he, you know, storms off into uh, Brock's dressing room. And that's all we get out of that. So uh, just on that, guys, I don't know what you – I mean, I, to me, I kind of interpreted – I'm still shocked. I, I don't, I don't want to go deep into it. I'm still shocked that they decided to go Brock Rollins again and then have Rollins beat Brock again. To me, I, this signals Brock's probably done with Raw, and he's probably just going to be hanging – just sitting, sitting and waiting until SmackDown goes to Fox. I, mean, I don't know. And that's what I would do with him. Yeah. I think, uh, when it, you know, by keeping him off TV for the next couple months, it makes much more impact when he's on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. We get Revival versus Lucha House Party. So, again, another kind of random uh, match yeah. here. And in the mix of that, as we have uh, these guys, with the 24-7 breaks out with uh, the entire conga line of 24-7 participants, uh, the – Revival actually uh, pin and both of them become co twenty four seven champions for a few moments until our truth can uh, grab it back. Our truth now in his twelfth twenty four seven title reign for those of you keeping score. No, nope, nobody is. <laughs> I am, uh, and then uh, just sticking with the twenty four seven as I trying to keep my place here. Uh, sticking with twenty four seven, he's backstage with Carmella. Uh, and then Elias attacks him with a guitar. Elias pins and Elias uh, leaves for all tonight as your most recent and current 24-7 champion. So, Who knows? Maybe I don't have high hopes, but I hope instead of this being a downward movement for him, it's an upward movement for the title. Yeah, we'll see. I, I mean, I hope... Uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm kind of getting over the 24-7 stuff. I thought it was good for a while but uh, now it's 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 still amusing enough but um it, it is getting a little redundant something with it though yeah. these towns have got to do like how anybody in that locker room could watch what drake maverick has done with that title and they're not inside their heads trying to write things down and figure things out for their character on how they could do something similar without copying him um you know what i'm saying and, and make this theirs make this their own is beyond me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'd be fighting creative like crazy, saying, just give me, you know, I'm not, I'm not even asking for time on TV tonight. Just let me do to shoot a little something with my phone. Watch it. Let me let us know what you think. You know, that, at least do something. Don't just what? wait on them to book you and write this crap for you because it's going to be stupid. It's going to be the conga lines. It's going to be you chasing people in the middle of freaking the arena and pinning each other by their crapper. It's going to be stupid crap like that. <laughs> Nobody cares about it. It's annoying and it's a waste of my damn time watching TV. Well, that's what's wild is that, yeah, it, it seems so shallow in the sense of, okay, let's just keep having random people pin and eventually our truth gets it back. But look at the amount of, look at the amount of effort. They, like, they film, they, they, they're filming stuff on planes when they're going to Europe. They're filming at, at, at Drake Maverick's wedding. I mean, they have done more external filming for this than, uh, than almost any other segment I can, any other story I can think of. So it's like, it's weird. It's like they go real simple and shallow on, on Raw or SmackDown with just, a bunch of people chasing each other, but yet they do all this extra filming on. on okay, but isn't that somebody's phone when they were doing the filming on the uh, plane? And then make Drake Maverick's wedding. He's local here in Orlando. That's NXT people that all day that could be using their cameras and send that footage back to them. They're not paying somebody millions of dollars to go worry about the twenty four seven title. Well, no, they're not sending the entire. They're not sending the the full on crew. I understand it, but still, I, it, it's, right. The fact that there's that much attention that's going. I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe it is just the boys having fun and just embracing it. I don't. Know. Like you don't think? I, I don't know. Maybe I'm giving the kid too much credit. But whenever I see like the stuff on the planet, I just keep thinking like Drake is putting his like like ideas out there, and they're 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 taking some of them. Like the plan, I thought for sure. Yeah. And just, yeah, and Justin, to your point, like the hotel room and stuff that they did too mm-hmm. with Renee Michelle, uh, it does seem like creative cares more about that stuff than the rest of the show. Um, but you know, what I wonder. We always hear the stories from. From TV hotel, simple, as not close to time. TV hotel, right? <laughs> or the, still, TV, the OBGYN's office. It was a bad, it was a bad set backstage in Pittsburgh for the OBG. But, yeah, yeah. but, but again, I, may, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is just something that's just so easily amusing to Vince. And this is a maybe it's a layup for creative writers. Just toss things out that you know you're going to get them to laugh, and it keeps you in a good graces with them. I don't know. Yeah. Don't you have to worry about him eventually, you know, butting in and going, you know, it'd be great. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, no, 
And who's he going to throw out there? You know, and he throws somebody like Major out there going, let's put Bray Wyatt in it. Bray Wyatt would be perfect. You know, like, <laughs> it's the danger of getting Vince involved <laughs> or to like something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will agree. If, um, the internet probably would burn if, if the fiend is chasing the twenty four seven title. I would burn. <laughs> Wrestling Inc. would just go black. <laughs> All right. So probably what was the highlight, at least headline wise, of the night comes here. Uh, we get Natalia coming out, uh, selling her loss to Becky Lynch, uh, and she references that it's been a year since she lost her father, Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Just as she does that. Music we haven't heard in, what, four or five months since WrestleMania. Sasha Banks comes out, obviously, to a, a great pop. Uh, baby facing it up, hugging the kids, kissing babies, gets in the ring, gives the nice hug. Uh, looks like she's going to shed a tear, and then, boom, Dex Snatty rips her hair off, rips a wig off to reveal that she – rips the pink hair off to reveal she has blue hair, and then proceeds uh, to go balls to the wall, attacking uh, Natalia. And then Becky Lynch comes out to interrupt that. And we get more vicious Sasha Banks. Uh, Matt Morgan, again, was this, this the highlight for you? This was for me. Yeah, definitely. Um, I like the new hair. Uh, and her attitude's awesome. It's not really a new attitude. She's had that attitude before. But um, I thought, if I'm being super nitpicky, I love the fact that she kicked both her asses. Don't get me wrong. Um, I did not like that they threw their champion out there like that right away as well, instead of waiting for the next week to see how they could have I don't know. Maybe they'll. But then, as soon as I say that, as soon as those words come out of my mouth, I'm thinking like, didn't we just say like she needs a, uh, an opponent like right now, Becky Lynch? Mm-hmm. So to get to that opponent, I just think they could have taken their time—not their time, but they could have done another week. Yeah, like uh, to get into her. Yeah. Um, no, I, I can see that. I can. See, I can definitely but see that argument. Awesome segment. Awesome segment. The fans once again didn't know what the hell they do. Yeah, you could tell, like, uh, I think WWE, they knew they were in Toronto. They thought Natalia talking about her father would probably get sympathy from the crowd. They but did this... start the anvil chants. If you listen closely, then the music plays. They were just starting the chant anvil. Oh, were they? Yes. Very listen, though. Because when Sasha was beating the crap at Natalia, they were chanting, thank you, Sasha. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they completely turned. They don't know what the hell they want. They did the same thing on... With, I'm Becky. Yeah, when know, Becky came out there. Becky, she got, and those chants got immediately extinguished. Yeah, yeah. No, they were. This was a pro Sasha crowd. The the more she was beating on them, the more they were behind her. Yes. Uh, and and Sasha was laying it in on Becky with the chair. She was attacking her outside the ring with the chair, just wailing in on her. Um, and yeah, <laughs> there was one shot. There was like a slap or something where Becky looked legitimately pissed. Yes. You know, yes. at her a couple times and not letting her come near her. Right. <laughs> on her, though. She went right back in on her. I was like, damn, well, that's pretty good there, Josh. Good job, because you would have looked like a complete puss if you did not. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know Roger knows the same thing. You and know, it, a bigger star, quite honestly. A bigger badass, I should say. You know, it's, it's, a, it's amazing that this is her first time really as a heel on the main roster. I mean, she was in B, Team BAD, but, you know, that wasn't really. Really? Really, yeah, yeah. This and I, I tweeted that I, I'm, 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 I'm excited by this because the first time I saw Sasha Banks live was years ago. I went down to the, uh, went down to Performance Center, went down to NXT, and I watched her versus Bailey in the Iron Woman match, mm-hmm. and Sasha did just some incredible heel work there. And I remember just thinking, like, wow, like she, it was some of the best female heel work I'd ever seen. So you're right. This is this might be the the. the the, the most sincere, truest heel attempt for Sasha Banks uh, as a single star on the main roster. And, and, but, you know, to Matt's point, you know, they, they brought Becky out there, and while it was very physical and it certainly you know, let Sasha make a statement, I do think hindsight, of course, we have the, we have the luxury of doing hindsight booking. Hindsight, I, I, I do wonder if yeah, Becky's music hits, she comes out, maybe Sasha just hops over the barricade and, and, and chicken shits a little bit, and then maybe that would have stopped the thank you, Sasha chance. Maybe that would have gotten some heat on Sasha and some booze on Sasha for her backing off. Uh, but again, hindsight. And, the, and then next next week you do the physicality and yeah. have the, the yeah. But but yeah, I mean, again, it's being. I mean, the crowd was hot. This was a a very memorable segment. It was definitely the. <laughs> yeah, that one point, she uh, Sasha at one point slapped Becky and asked her where her balls were. Now <laughs> it was like, oh, I thought she said boss. I didn't. Okay, I didn't. Know. <laughs> it was balls, and then they bleeped something else out. So she was she was on fire here. I didn't get the ball. Okay, what, what, does that mean? what does that mean? What does that mean? I think because she's the man. 
So, um, but this is the first uh, women's match in a while, women's feud that feels like it could headline a pay per view since since Rousey's been gone. And so, if they keep it up and they don't do some stupid crap, you know, I think this could this could be a, a pay per view main event. She should have tons, tons of of you know just piss and vinegar ready to friggin' tear the microphone up with some world beater problems that she's going down to. And that's what the and that's what the potential is in this because you have Becky who has who that that that's what that's what's that's what's elevated her to this level is that she's kind of doing the whole uh, don't ask for permission ask for forgiveness later just on social media and the way she is and Sasha there's so much mystique around her and so many you know Corey Graves even alluded to it on commentary like oh she's been away pouting there's there's so many stories about um, you know her unhappiness so I mean these two if they if they just want to let it fly this verbally could be. The main event for sure, right? Yeah, yeah. but good potentially. But the only thing I did not like was Corey Graves. Like, yeah, way too quickly, way too all the way in. I told you guys, see what I was telling you. And one would say, "Well, isn't that what he should do?" No, he shouldn't have been so upfront in the very beginning of the segment with ripping on her and stuff like that when she was a baby face. Yeah, and I felt like it would have been more effective if he was like, this has got to stop. You know, she's had enough. More of that as opposed to, I told you, I told you she's mean. told you she's selfish. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I thought thought that was a That is a tremendous impression. (laughs) It's not the best Corey Graves, (laughs) but... (laughs) (laughs) And I usually like him, but uh, yeah, I thought he kind of took away from it, from how violent this was. He was in like fifth gear as an announcer. He should have been in fifth gear as an announcer worrying about Becky and the rest of their safety mm-hmm. while the wild woman was just putting the wood to everybody. Yeah. All right, so we go from that uh, intriguing uh, fight to a good old-fashioned squash match with the Viking Raiders up against Carter Mason and the distinguished Sebastian Suave. Uh, this was just obviously textbook 101. I, I like their offense. I actually like their, I mean. The Viking Raiders? Yeah, yeah. Original stuff. Their their tandem stuff is pretty cool. Just, again, they're just place holding a spot for themselves to not come back on TV for like six months. They're not going to do anything with them. I I feel like the the lack of crowd reaction is taking me out of their matches, too, because they do cool stuff, and the crowd just seems, they're just there. They do. They really do. Last stuff I've never seen in tandem form on top of which I'm a fan of the tag teams, you know. I don't know. Uh, is the face paint, you know, it's kind of corny to be a Viking, right? <laughs> like, what's <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, and when and, it's, and if you're a fan, that's also if you also watch NXT, when you see these guys of who they were and you knew what they were prior to WWE being signed by WWE, and then and then even even NXT has the War Raiders. I mean. um you know, you know, good gimmick, and then, and then it just it it just highlights the watered down version of you know, and especially we went through diff- four different name changes in like five weeks with them, you know. So it's watered it down. Guys, here's the difference between WWE now versus WWE back in the eighties. Back in the eighties, Roddy Piper, NWA, he him versus Greg the Hammer Valentine, right? And it was a Shane match. What, what would they have against each other? Um, the dog collar match. Dog collar match. Thank you. It was a, 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 a supposed at the time career defining match for Roddy Piper in the NWA, and it was a big deal at the time. Okay, he's a great example though. If you take that guy and then look what he went to WWF and look what they turned him into. Look what the machine took in and spit back out—a super duper over the top brand and persona in Roddy Piper. Hulk Hogan himself, a great example as well. Look at him in AWA. Look what happened when Vince got him. They, I don't know what, where or when it stopped. Chris Jericho, WCW, it goes in the WF machine. Look what that spit out. You know what I mean? This is, I can name countless, countless, hundreds of people probably over the years. Um, you know, they're able to take something and always make it bigger and better and much more mainstream appeal. Today, it's the opposite. What we're, what was more over in the indies, they can't take and make better anymore. They make it worse. And what's the one common denominator? Let me point out real quick. They didn't have a full-on creative team for all those at the 
worst, I would say, would, uh, would say during the Jericho time, I would say you had like one writer, Russo, like maybe two, maybe three at most, Cornette, Pr- uh, Pritchard, and Russo, right? You didn't have a lot. There's yeah. too many creative team members. I don't care that it's 2019 and they have like 55 network things to worry about and this and that and that and the other thing. Keep them the freak away from Raw and SmackDown. Go back to two or three people. They can easily do it. When your company was on the line, you guys had a gun to your head. You're about to be put out of business. You do not have 45 writers. You don't need them. They're yeah. hurting it. And I'd argue like Vince has always been best, kind of kind of what you're saying, where where he would take a talent and take them to the next level. Macho Man Randy Savage, Piper. Oh, oh, they were Macho all Man. they all had their gimmicks before and Vince just took it and and, and blew it better. up. Yeah. yeah. And and when you think about the number of characters created, uh, you get a lot of the teal hoppers, you know, like the those kind of gimmicks. Uh, whereas the biggest names in the industry, um, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin. That was something he came up with. The Rock was something Jim Ross and, he, and The Rock came up with. He, he took he took the name of Jake the Snake and and he, I mean, polished Jake the Snake into you know. I always thought you know you know I, I kind of a joke. Oh, we're gonna give it. We're actually gonna give the guy a snake. And I mean, looking look at look at how that was a tool. Yeah. And I do think Vince did make certain characters back in the day to just do jobs, but they needed a character. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So like a tailhopper, people like that, it's like this dude's never going to be a champion. We just need to give him a friggin' uh, plunger and make him go to the ring call him a plumber. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, but th- during that period, there was they all had those gimmicks, though. Like, there were, like, no stars at that point, except for, like... Yeah, you had to be an occupation. You had to be an occupation. Yeah. You had pirates and Salvatore Sincere and the goon and... And, and, to be, and to be fair, Teal Hopper... I think he was like down in uh, he was down in Smoky Mountain. I mean, he, he was he was like the dirty redneck or dirty old yeah, boy, like dirty, it, dirty white boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say so. It wasn't it wasn't like Vince like completely like reinventing the wheel. He just just handed him a plunger and, and just said, <laughs> you know, you're still the dirty white boy. We're just gonna say that you happen to have a job and you're doing jobs <laughs> and you're doing jobs. Thank you. All right, moving on here on the on the uh, matches as we uh, near through the final hour, we get. Um, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, uh, tag champions, women's tag champions, uh, defending against the Kabuki Warriors, uh, who are without Paige. Paige, as you can read on Wrestling Inc., off getting another neck surgery. So best to her. Yeah, best to her. Um, and, and at the end of the day, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross win. Uh, you know, even on commentary, again, Corey Graves, they, they note, you know, Asuka, once one of the most dominant, feared women in the business, in the business, and now, you know, they know they just noted she's just not been on a roll. So. Uh, not much to really digest here, other than just failed failed attempt by Kabuki Warriors. Yeah. If I'm the talent, dude. I'm going up to map to the show and say, "Look, Mother Fletcher, it ain't on me. <laughs> I get paid by some idiot that takes a pen and puts it to paper and says I win or lose. Okay, so I lost a step. Ain't nothing ain't about me. I'm still the baddest in this locker room. They just ain't booking me that way. So I don't want to hear that crap come out of your mouth again." <laughs> Yeah, remember Oscar was submitting Becky Lynch at the Royal Rumble earlier this year, and look at the crowd over. response. Yeah, your job's to get us over, dude. I don't give a crap what part of the card we're on. Yeah, win, lose, that is your job. And Oscar was over. I mean, she yeah. was she was over with that crowd. And so he oh. needs to talk to the creative team then, Corey Graves. You want to talk? Then get in there and dig on your damn creative team for screwing it up and you know, screwing the pooch when it comes to Oscar. Say headline talent. Oscar's amazing to me. I, I was in Minneapolis when she made her debut on the main roster. And, Such a mystique. And yeah, and and I can't believe what's happened in two years. <laughs> I mean, guys, let's be honest. Be honest, you guys. Give me your opinion right now. Name another girl in how many? I'll say the last few years, three years, four years. Who you believe was a bigger badass than her? I'm taking Ronda Rousey out of the equation. Um, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, she, she never even she never even lost her NXT title. They just moved her to the main roster and vacated her title. <laughs> and and you know what? I believe Oscar more than I did Shayna Baszler. And Shayna Baszler is a legit yeah. MMA fighter. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. just saying. Yeah, I uh, that. frustrating because and I also think her partner is freaking badass too. Not not a badass, but like really badass in the ring. She's beat. Yeah, we we were talking about this the other night. She's awesome. Well, they're awesome, but they get the loss. Uh, Alexa and Nikki uh, roll on as champions. Hopefully when uh, NXT, where that's the rumor, they're going to go two hours live head-to-head with AEW. Hopefully they can bring some of these guys back down. They have know? to. They have to. They yeah. have okay, to. What do you do? Do you keep the Kabuki Warriors? To- 
Well, I don't. You don't necessarily need them as a tag team, but but you would be stupid not to say, okay, we have this percentage of talent on Raw and SmackDown that's that, that are being used sporadically. Let's take this chunk and move them back, especially. Act as a female right away. They bring her back down there and use her the way they did. Yeah, because you know you have Oscar come down and feud with like Candice LeRae or something like that, and that could be. Yeah, yeah. And, and then and then on the male side, you put guys like Cesaro back. You put Cesaro down. You put Cesaro in NXT if it goes to to, to FS1 or something like that. I mean, and then the things that he can do in the match he could have. If you can just freshen it up, I don't care if it's a veteran, a guy who's in his late thirties like a Cesaro. If you just freshen it up by injecting some new talent that's not going to be used. Over here on Raw and SmackDown, and if you're paying them, yeah. if you're si- if you're signing them to big fat contracts to keep them from going to AEW, you might as well get something out of them. EC3 immediately comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think he's thinking every time he's running in that conga line for twenty four seven? Poor guy. Yeah. All right, uh, and finally the main event: Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles. Uh, again, you know, I was, you know, they worked within within their TV time limits. Uh, it was what it was. Ultimately, a DQ after the OC jumps in the ring, starts beating down Seth Rollins. Looks like we're going to get uh, Styles clash from the uh, from the top from the top rope uh, beforehand. Ricochet comes out. He comes in for a save. Ricochet gets involved, uh, and then after he gets discarded, we hear Braun Strowman come out. Braun Strowman cleans house, saving the day. Uh, grabs the title, gives it to Seth. Does a little handshake. We got the baby faces all standing tall uh, as we end the show here. Uh, Matt Morgan, is this? Uh, reactions in this last segment uh everybody's pop was crescendoed on top of one another in the order that they did the run-ins with the baby faces which is perfect that's what mm-hmm. you want send the crown hope happy they did um and finally Braun's back in the spot he needs to be in i hope it continues you see the next challenger for seth as well as i was gonna ask you Ooh, i hope not because that means he's gonna have to lose i don't like that um i don't know no i think it's obviously aj I think it's a- even, even even with AJ with with the U.S. title on him, and I know that's and, weird, but and, and because Ricochet's involvement told me that we're gonna get more AJ Ricochet, maybe. I think they're just. I think they're gonna get six man tags. Number one. Yes, um, obviously. I think they're gonna do that ad nauseum. Yeah. Um, they could be good though, um, for what it's worth, and then some singles out of that. And I think they can still walk and chew gum. The moving Ricochet AJ forward while still AJ being plugged in here to be another J-O-B, whatever, to Seth for the championship again. And, and they've done U.S. champ versus world champ before. Yeah. Um, well, we just did this match on Money in the Bank, didn't we? I agree. I agree. But who else are they giving Seth to? And who AJ's else? now a heel. It's a little different dynamic uh, with the OC. I, I agree with you, Justin. I actually thought that they were kind of teasing that, too, with Strowman and uh, and Seth. Like, next week, they're going to do the, the six-man tag with the OC against Strowman, Ricochet, and Seth. And then they have, like, the... Baby-face match. He's going to get out popped by, by Braun. It won't even... I, I'm predicting it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think he will, death, too. More death to the poor kid. Yeah. So, I didn't get to talk to you guys after SummerSlam, so I don't want to rehash too much. But, but, but the situation we find ourselves in is the exact confusion I had going into SummerSlam. <laughs> You know they put they, they have Brock cash in. They make Brock champion again. This is right and this is right at the same time where we find out that Paul Heyman's back and is in control. So he so Brock becomes champion again, and they have a battle royal to determine who the number one contender is going to be. So you have an easy opportunity to bring somebody fresh to the number one contendership. They don't. They go back with Seth. So then it's like, all right, well, it. What's the point here? Is Brock going to go and kill Seth, and, and and they're waiting for somebody new? But no, they do the exact same thing that happened in WrestleMania. They, think they were adding more, not a layer. But they thought they were making Seth have to fight through a ridiculous amount of odds <sighs> to get his re- his title reshot, uh, whatever you want to call it, yeah. match again. Does that make sense? I get no, yeah, but I just it's just they just Which had an opportunity. Stupid. They had an opportunity to go fresh, and we're back in the same situation. Stupid way to do a battle royal, by the way. You don't throw it away like that for that. Yeah, this I don't know. I just I don't know where you go with Seth, uh, you know, and I don't I, either. And and I wouldn't turn Strowman heel again. Uh, no, they, they don't. Just, they want to cheer him. They want to yeah. cheer him. And they I, did that last year. It just kind of failed. Um, yeah. All right. Well. Yeah, that, I mean, honestly, when we when they said coming up next, Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles, and we had not seen Bray Wyatt or the Fiend. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Part of me thought, are we ending the night with the Fiend? Teasing Seth Rollins, I did. I thought, but and then I'm like, oh crap! Is Fiend's a SmackDown guy? Well, I was talking to Roger about this before we started. 
they had the Fiend always show up in person and attack whoever on Raw. They would do the Firefly vignettes on SmackDown. So if he shows up tomorrow, then maybe that is the sign that, okay, they're putting him on the SmackDown side because they are slowly doing away with this crossover again. So maybe, I don't know. but Yeah, I, we, we calcul- it was still six SmackDown guys on Raw tonight. But um, with the Fiend, I hope they don't have it on TV every week. It's a special, you know? It's, a, it's such a cool sure. gimmick. So... Um, hopefully it's just a thing where you have to, it, it's kind of rare on TV. Okay. I, I hope that he only wrestles as a fiend and he only wrestles a pay-per-view. On pay-per-view, yeah, yeah. I agree. <clears throat> but right, Russell, we, we, we haven't seen them have that kind of restraint before, but we'll see. <laughs> right, right. They can't, they can't help themselves. Right. Yeah, they, exactly. They get a new toy and they just kind of break the damn thing quickly. Right, yeah. Uh, by the way, did you see they edited the YouTube clip? They 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 put the YouTube mm-hmm. clip up of his entrance from SummerSlam, and then hours later took it down, put it back up, and they took out the severed head lantern. So apparently, somebody must have complained about that. Good God, come on, soft S A W F T soft, soft. Come on, is there anything nowadays that doesn't offend somebody somewhere? <laughs> Matt, you just you just offended somebody by asking that question. <laughs> It's ridiculous. Hey, the dog crossed the road. What'd you say? What? <laughs> There's like nothing. It's a puppy say. American. Yeah, you can't do anything. It's getting out of hand. That's ridiculous. You're watching a professional wrestling show full of characters, not real life stuff. Characters. Like, they, they're going to call movies in the, you know, is the guy going to leave a movie theater because they're so offended in the middle of a movie and say, I need this taken out of there. Wait, this offended me. Like, well, and and the severed head. Everyone knows that's a doll. It's not like there's a you know people are worried that that's an actual severed head. So it, it has some realism, realism to it, right? But it added to the character that awesome. we were being to watch and be entertained by. Yeah. It's like a movie. Yeah, a, a, a lantern head is a far cry from Muhammad Hassan uh, threatening to behead the Undertaker. So um, yeah, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit different. Raj, uh, we got some news to we can talk about. Yeah, so first off, uh, so they made it official. This, the Fox debut on Friday, October 4th is also going to be the SmackDown 20th anniversary. So they already announced Sting, uh, Goldberg, Hulk Hogan. Uh, so they're already getting the big names out there. Undertaker's featured on the graphic. So Has Sting uh, ever been on an episode of SmackDown ever? No. No. <laughs> no I don't think so, yeah. Funny. No. <laughs> and Goldberg was on, I mean, uh, when he was on a few uh, earlier this summer to promote Super Showdown, I think that was his first time ever. I, I do do, yeah, and it felt weird. It, it, it came off really good, if you guys remember. Yeah, no, he was he did that promo. And yes, he, he was great. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that that's the the big thing. So they're going to uh, lay out all the stops. If we've said this ad nauseum with Raw reunion, Raw twenty five. Hopefully they shoot a big angle to, and, and get some of the younger guys over Please. and not just showcase the old guys as the stars. All the old guys want to do it. Stop getting in everybody's way. I'll say this, though. you know, so That's early October, and yeah. the next Saudi show is in is like a couple weeks later. Yeah. And I keep saying this as we, see, as we see all these crazy darts on the wall nostalgia matches. I keep saying, if we're ever, ever, ever going to see Sting vs. Undertaker, it will be for a Saudi show because of the money because the Saudi shows seem to demand this 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 intense nostalgia, and the work rate does not have to be great. Finally, so, a crap in the middle of the ring, and nobody's going to care. It's so you WrestleMania, you, you know? could you could have Undertaker Sting stare down or something like that, and lead into the Saudi show, and that yeah. would be. I think after after I think after Goldberg versus Undertaker, I don't think they want to take that. I don't think they you want to do that anymore. Sting won't Sting won't concuss himself on his locker room door before he walks to the ring. I don't think Sting can get cleared. Well, that's that's the biggest obstacle, actually, right there. So, um, anywho, so that's uh, that's big. Uh, Matt, the big news: uh, a lot of people tweeting about this, tweeting you about this. Orange Cassidy signing with AEW. You're welcome, buddy. No problem. <laughs> um, Are you taking a ten percent booking fee? Yeah, right. I'm I'm excited for him. I'm excited for myself that I get to watch him. I get to watch him on the weekly show. Hopefully, they got to figure out. Like I told you, remember, like, hey, you know, I got legit offers start to, to work him after we were joking about it on here. Not joking, but saying what a fan I was. I was like, I wouldn't do his gimmick justice. Like, <laughs> you have to have a certain t- kind of talent that can work with him to make that work. You know what I mean? That, it's not for everybody. When, it, when you start putting anybody and everybody in there, it gets it's super hokey, and it's not as funny as it should be. You know what I mean? Is that, that makes sense? I'm hopefully AEW will do it right with him. And, and I'm sure the right people to do it with him with. 
And I'm sure they won't be putting them on TV every week because that's one of those gimmicks that you, you can't. Yeah, you cannot do that, and that's why it makes it so good, though, as well. I think. Yeah. So, so yeah. So uh, another signing, Cody Rhodes, saying that, that basically so far only forty percent of the roster has been revealed. So there's a, a lot more uh, coming up in the next couple of months. Uh, and finally, the G1 concluded. Uh, Cody Ibushi defeated yeah. Jay White uh, to win the tournament. And Kenta turned heel. Uh, he turned on his tag team partners, Yoshihashi and uh, Ishii. And uh, Sh- Shibata came out. It was kind of a surprise appearance. He, he's uh, his, Basically, his career is over after an errant headbutt. Uh, he had bleeding on the brain. Most likely, his career is over. But he came out. Uh, you know, was trying to help the baby faces. Kenta and the Bullet Club um, laid him out, uh, beat him down. Uh, they, they they avoided his head, but they did put a beat down. And so, yeah, Kenta, the former Hideo Itami, is the newest member of the Bullet Club. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting? Like the Bullet Club feels like it's their stock is the lowest it's ever been worldwide. Yeah. And the, and and at this point is the time where WWE finally decides to put Styles. Gallows and Anderson together and call themselves the only club that matters. I find the timing weird. Yeah. Why? What do you mean? Like, my point being, if you, you've you had Styles, Gallows, and Anderson all in WWE for, what now, three, four years? Mm-hmm. I just, it, it strikes me as odd that they waited this long to put them together and waited to call, you know, waited to tout themselves as the original club, the only club that matters. They've waited to the point to where the Bullet Club, the brand of Bullet Club is at its lowest stock that it's been. You know what I mean? Like, why well, wouldn't you have done it years ago? But, well, when the Bucks were still in the, uh, when they first came in, uh, Gallows and Anderson's to Raw. I could have sworn Bucks were the Bucks and Kenny, and the rest of them were still in the Bullet Club. That's what I. That's what I mean. That, that's that. But they no. still tried to push them as the club in WWE, if you remember. Yeah, but they, but like, why wouldn't you? Everybody wanted them with AJ and Finn and all together, and they just WWE kept avoiding it. And I just, it makes me I, like, why wouldn't you have done it then to like fire your best missile? They were still doing because I think they were still fighting the the grain, going against the grain. That they don't think this is that over. This is coming from an indie rific company in their eyes. That's what the, that's the way WWE thinks. Um, we didn't create it. We're not putting this crap over. Um, and then they saw they were wrong. And maybe this is where we should put these guys. This is how we should put these guys. Let's put them with AJ. Oh, you know what? Maybe we should have been doing this the whole time. They did put them with AJ, and that was a good uh, faction. Should have kept them together. Um, and now they brought them back together. And this club is a thousand times more over than the Bullet Club right now. Yeah. The OC. Yeah. Which is um, shocking to me. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the, uh, a lot of people raving online with this angle. Um, Jay White is no Bullet Club guy. Right, this is this is called Space Vader right now. There's a lot of guys in that club that you would not. Jeff Jarrett was in the Bullet Club at one point. <laughs> For a hot second, it did not. That did not fit. Right. Well, we booked Jeff Jarrett here at IWC Wrestling, and I watched him wrestle in Bullet Club tights, and I was just like, man, never thought I would see Jeff Jarrett in the Bullet Club. Then again, he was in the NWO, he was in everything else. So. Club based here into the show in Pittsburgh. What? He was wearing Bullet Club trunks. Yes. While he was in Pittsburgh. Yes. Damn. Jeff. <laughs> it was it, it, it wasn't long it was just i think it was just when they were doing the the, the global was, force wrestling was uh promoting the new japan for a minute it was like for 30 seconds yeah. he had he had his tip you know jeff wears those those shorts that he wears as get yeah. he had those bullet clubs yeah. <laughs> well triple h kind of got to be in the bullet club in his own way right when they were in japan <laughs> he teamed with aj and, and uh carl anderson and Luke Gallo, so, and then a few weeks, and then a few weeks later, he's back with DX against those guys <laughs> yeah. on Raw. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so weird. yeah. Oh. But uh, yeah, as far as the news goes, uh, that is about it. Oh, uh, uh, Jack Swagger has been taking some shots at Goldberg on Twitter uh, for his, his match, and why? He, uh, he just, I, I think he just feels like Goldberg's taking the spot from from younger talent. Um, you know, again, um, I, I don't. You can't. He's not wrong, but at the same time, there's not that many t- that many guys that are so over that they would have, you know, justify justifiably fill that spot. So, yeah. You know. Uh, by yeah. the By the right. way, again, when when Goldberg had his match at SummerSlam, I watched the the watch along simultaneously, mm-hmm. and Matt Riddle was in the room, yeah. and I gotta say that was some of the most entertaining stuff was because Riddle apparently ran into Goldberg backstage and he's talking about him and he's cutting his promo on Goldberg while the match is going on. And obviously Goldberg looked really good, but I, 
if again, if, if WWE, I mean, you might as well just. I mean, they kind of acknowledge it by letting Riddle be in the room to do the watch along during this Goldberg match. But I mean, this thing's taken on a life of its own on the internet with his comments. I think that's just we, we talked about this last night. Um, I feel like that's just with such a small percentage of fans. I think Matt Riddle, if he were to go out in front of a regular Raw crowd, I'm not talking about a post pay per view Raw sure. crowd. No one would know who he is. No, I get that. He, he's not. He's not. He's not on a recognition of Goldberg level. But I, I wonder the fact that they. I don't know. The fact that they ran with that, and I would argue not on Gilbert level as far as in the normal <laughs> WWE mainstream fan audience. I mean, dead serious. Gilbert was on WWE TV. Right. <laughs> yeah. I love Golden Gil. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's uh, that's everything. All right. Well, uh, that was Raw tonight. We hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, make sure you leave a comment. Uh, do whatever you got to do. Show some love. Of course, this, uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, thank you. The audio will be also archived. On our uh, audio channel, you can find on iTunes and all across everywhere. Uh, tomorrow, we got uh, Winkley during the day. We got SmackDown uh, post show at the night. I'll be back with that for your uh, for all your good stuff with SmackDown tomorrow night. Uh, Matt Morgan, anything you want to prom- plug promote? No, none. Okay, Raj. And this week, literally a ton of interviews. We got uh, Mark Henry, uh, Dolph Ziggler. Uh, Matt Taven, Alex Shelley, uh, Mick Foley. So just a ton of stuff this week. So just keep checking. Is Alex Shelley done with? Did you already do it? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that is up on our YouTube channel now. And there's also an article on the site from it today. We have to get Matt Morgan interview Orange Cassidy. (laughs) No kidding. <laughs> Come on, Raj. Let's set it up. I know. I'll have to. I'll have to work and see what I can do. He doesn't do interviews right now because he stays in character. But <laughs> make it even better. Yeah. I'll see if he'll make He's an so exception. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thanks every thanks everyone for listening. Have a good night. Bye bye.